The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Philly Lander. Philly has been working with teams of people, helping them deliver creative products and services for over a decade. She is just finishing a year in New York, where she was helping to set up a U.S. office and building a community of Agile coaches for an Agile coaching and training company. She is also a trainer and International Coaching Federation Associate Certified Coach. Philly is about to strike out on her own and start her new business in London. Philly, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, Lisa Adkins took a moment to connect the two of us. Uh, she and I were talking strategy for this new Women in Agile podcast series, and she said, Philly is someone that you need to talk to. She has got an amazing story. <laughs> uh, no, thanks, Lisa. No expectations. <laughs> no, no, I'm really pleased. Yeah. <laughs> No expectations. So as we've been chatting and getting prepped for our our conversation today, I think we found a shared passion in this idea of helping people live a better life at work. Um, Why is that something that is so important to you? I'm not sure. It's something that I've always been really, really passionate about because I think one day I just worked out that we spend the majority of our adult lives at work, which kind mm-hmm. of means that we spend the majority majority of our whole lives at work. And so it really shouldn't suck. <laughs> like it's kind of what I just came to. And uh, there are so many people out there that I've met that are just, you know, just going through the motions, just feeling unfulfilled, just getting through it, living for the weekend. And that means that you're only living like a tiny proportion of your life. And that just really just doesn't sit well with me. And so it's part of what my life mission is, is to try and improve that because it just doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Uh, the inspirational leader that I get to work with a lot, right. talks about bringing humanity back to the workplace, right. And to to kind of what you're describing that I only get to live on the weekends or when I go home really is quite inhumane if you think about it. Yeah. Very much so. It's a, it's not, yeah. Um, and I think I uh, most connected with this idea in my mid twenties when I had a leader. Uh, there was an incident in the office, and someone was almost going to get fired. And he said to me one afternoon as I was heading out, he said, uh, "In six months, no one's going to remember who screwed this thing up." Um, what they're going to remember is, do they feel good about the work they're doing and who they're doing it? And do they feel right? Like they've done a good job when they go home at the end of the day, right? Those are the things that really stick with people. It's those relationships and that sort of transcendent purpose stuff. So when you think about this idea of improving people's lives at work, what are some of the key tenets or things that have become kind of key for that across your journey? So the first thing that pops into my mind is the major thing is just to actually listen to people. And I feel like, especially working as agile coaches, that's what we get licensed to do. Mm-hmm. Although we're there for a particular purpose of what the business is trying to achieve. That That's what I do. Like often 
walk away and all I do is I listen, I listen to the people because they know <laughs> what's going on, right? They know what's painful. They know what's frustrating, but they often just don't get that outlet or they're just never asked those questions. So I guess the second one is asking questions. Uh, this is all sounding a lot like coaching, professional coaching, but um, that's it really. It's just, it's be curious and actually listen to people because people are, everybody is amazing and uh, will have their own ideas and ways of doing it. It's just about giving them that space to unleash what's already there. When in you write the standard sort of corporate cultures and, and common working environments are going so fast, people don't have time to be heard because no one slows down long enough to listen. So just yeah. by simply taking the time to listen and ask questions and be curious makes an impact of the quality of life at work, I believe. Yeah. And, and if you think about it in our lives, like how often do we get somebody's undivided attention? Mm-hmm. Like even at home, you know, with, with your partner, when you're watching, maybe you're watching TV, but maybe you're both also on your phones and you're just, you're just with all this. And technology. having a conversation and petting the cat yeah. and this and that. <laughs> exactly. And so it's so rare to actually get somebody's undivided attention. So it's such a gift that we get licensed to do that and the opportunity to do that in, in the roles that we have. And I, um, I'm not sure there are enough agile coaches yet that really hold that to be true and important because right. That multitasking might be, I'm sitting here listening, but I'm also holding an agenda of, and we need to get you doing scrum well in the next three weeks. Cause if you don't, we're not going to hit the milestone on this transformation plan. <laughs> yeah. And the, it is a, it is an unfortunate um, part, part in our industry. And cause I, I think, you know, a lot of people do, do come in framework first. They do come in uh, process first. And mm-hmm. so when I hear that, I think, well, you're actually breaking the first value of the manifesto there. <laughs> yeah. It's individuals and interactions or processes and tools. Uh, and yet we push a lot of people. And I, I've, I've done that, you know, I, I've done that in my career. It's, it's often where we start because it's the from the way that we're brought up from the hierarchical systems, even that we're in, in our education, it's like the natural thing to do. But what I quickly learned is, Oh, that, that doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just telling people this is important. Telling people to do this just, it it just doesn't work. Yeah. When this would, I think it's easy to make a, a touch of a justification or a rationale of, Oh, I'm just meeting them where they are. They use lots of process today. So let's just change the process they have. And by making that little change, right? We can then start a journey. Um, so it's, it's interesting the way people back themselves into different sorts of strategies and approaches. Um, mm. when to your point, right? Sometimes let's just sit down and really just listen to people. Um, because right, when you talk about that professional coaching aspect, that holding them as creative, resourceful, and whole um, yeah. is one of the, those key tenets there. So what has it been about your journey in professional coaching that shaped the work you do um, both at home and outside or at work as well? Well, I have to say professional coaching is uh, and, and doing my training in that has one of been one of those pivotal moments in my career and, and, and in my life. Um, well, one, my life, because when you go through that training, you have to receive a lot of professional coaching yourself because mm-hmm. uh, everybody's training. And so you're, you're practicing on one another. And I learned a lot about myself. Um, 
But I also then learned by then having that, that skill and that ability as part of my agile coaching practice, I just saw that I, it made so much more of an impact. It made so much more of a difference than it did coming from the teacher or the expert place. Mm-hmm. And it created, I mean, I just think like it's, it's the way to create real and lasting change because um, I, I collect a lot of sayings as it might uh, come out in this <laughs> interview, like little, little mottos and sayings that I, I come back to to rem- remember things. But um, one of my ones I liked is that advice is just rented and a choice is owned. And, oh, I and that's like kind that. Of, yeah. I'm not sure where I picked it up. <laughs> I don't think I made it up. I think I find it. Well, anyway, uh, it might be mine. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but what I mean by that is just like you, you, you can tell someone what to do, but then there's no true ownership of that. They're just following your order. So if it goes wrong, they're like, oh, uh, you know, I just did what this person told me to do. But if they've made a choice, they really, really own it and it's theirs and they're much more vo- motivated and invested in actually doing that. So that's the only way to create real and lasting change in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a much more elegant way of saying teach a man to fish versus give him a fish. Yeah. Um, and so I like that uh, better. You know, advice is just rented, but a choice is ownership. Is that the way you phrased it? A choice is owned. Yeah. Yeah. A choice is owned. I like that a lot. What else about kind of, I guess, from that professional coaching has, uh, experience and training, um, how does that rub off on the way you especially kind of work with emerging scrum masters, right? Cause we know scrum masters on agile teams play the role of coach as well. And they're not all going to have had the luxury or the time to go, right. Take training and professional coaching, but how do you introduce them to those concepts so that they understand that there's a difference in the coaching stance versus the, the mentoring stance or teaching stance, right? That all of those are different. So I normally start a little bit, uh, through examples. So usually with new scrum masters, I would generally be, uh, more in a mentoring stance with them, but, uh, a, a really good mentor often looks a lot like a coach. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I sort of lead by example and, and, and let them feel it first. And then I start to introduce some of the skills to them and it, sort of explaining the, once the team is sort of up and running and once you've taught them how to do a thing, if you don't want them to be, if they're like the whole idea is to be self-organizing. And so if they become reliant on you, you then become a impediment yourself to their own development. So it's really important to think about what you're enabling them to do and what you're actually stopping them from doing. And if you know that this team or these indivi- this individual that's come to ask for something knows how to do it, like maybe you've done it before, that's mm-hmm. the perfect opportunity to step into the coaching stance for the first time and start asking them questions because they have the answers within them, just maybe not the confidence or the dynamic that's been established is that you do it for them. Yeah, I think that's a really good call out because I, I I realized my underlying motivation for asking you about that was going back to this idea of improving lives at work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because we get to see changes when we're working with clients directly. But then sometimes when we go, there's this question of, it was this journey that they've been on going to continue. And I think there's a handful of critical roles in the company that can help things stick long term. And right, those scrum masters working with you know agile teams can be one of them. Uh, and so I think, are there any other people that you see as influential or how do you find those people that might be influential within companies to help sort of really shift everyone's mindset and make this really part of the journey that they'll stay on? Well, I think I start by looking for volunteers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every organization has those people in them that are looking to make positive changes. And often what I'm just doing is just amplifying what's already there um, being that kind of catalyst that might g- give that person a, st- a stronger voice where maybe they weren't being heard before. But I just look for anybody that's asking questions or trying something new or volunteers to say, hey, I really, you know, I, I'm, I'm passionate about this and I want to do that. So I tend to look for that. And I also like to approach the cynical people as well, because I often find that they are the ones that are really seeing what's going on and they're not afraid to speak up, but they've often been labeled as as the cynical negative people, but really they're actually just voicing something that's going on for the the system that nobody else is speaking up about. Yeah. And often if you can get them to cross that edge and sort of adopt new ways of thinking and, and shed a little bit of that cynicism, right, their leadership and change is often very influential on others yeah, um, yeah really as is. well. <laughs> Which is great. Now you've been doing this right over your your career, uh, working in uh, as an agile coach and trainer, um, doing this with other companies, and you're getting ready to embark on a new journey of starting your own company. Um, and that really that whole story is part of what uh, inspired Lisa to connect us um, because she got to know you through the Ten Women Strong program, right? Yeah, I've actually known uh, Lisa for a, f- a few years, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, we most recently were together on the on the Ten Women Strong. Yeah, and that, as I understand, was a piece of this journey for you to start your own company. Yeah, uh, Ten Women Strong is it's hard to put into words. I'll try though. It's a podcast, so I'll try. <laughs> um, it, again, it's 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 another pivotal moment, um, and. Well, I think what it did for me was it made me really focus in and listen to my what my wants and needs are and work out what it was that was going to help me be fulfilled, help make my uh, improve my working life that I'm so passionate about for others. Um, and it just, it really gave me confidence because I spent all this time with all these amazing women learning from them and having this kind of network and support system to come to anytime I, I need something. But it was also the, the program itself, which was a lot of self-discovery and, and uh, self-reflection and analysis. And it just seemed like it just unlocked something for me. Um, one pivotal thing I took from it was, um, so we did the, uh, the Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple in my in my top five, like my number two is empathy, and my number three is positivity, which are 
great strengths and it explains why I'm really good at, at, and, and really enjoy working with people and it's something that comes naturally to me. However, <laughs> when your strengths become overplayed, it can then have a negative effect on you. So what would happen is something would happen to me and I'd be thinking about what was happening for the other person and then my positivity would come in and I'd make the best of a bad situation. So I really wouldn't be articulating what my wants and needs were and then therefore not having very clear boundaries and end up feeling in a bad place myself. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) And that's just become the major theme for this year for me is what are my boundaries? What are my wants and needs? And, And I think for all coaches, agile coaches, anybody working with people, we have to have really clear boundaries because we're no use to anybody if we're burnt out, if we're not feeling good, because we're meant to be that that source for positive change and, and help people along. And if we're not kind of filled up and feeling good ourselves, then we, we can't possibly have enough to give to others. And so that was a big uh, revelation for me that I got. As yeah, part of that reminds me. Absolutely. That reminds me of the a quote that uh, Portia Tung um, mentioned when I was talking with her for a Women in Agile episode, and that was, you cannot give uh, what it is you do not have. Yes. Um, which is is like, obviously, um, but I don't know as though we ever right, state it that clearly um, and having, right, just let's just put it out there, I think brings it and can help keep it in a level of consciousness um, so that we're always doing self-care and taking care of ourselves and setting boundaries so we can best serve the others in our lives as well as serve ourselves. For, for sure. And, and what it really kind of boils down to is emotional intelligence and having that awareness of yourself uh, to then have that self-management to be able to st- say these are my boundaries and this is what I'm willing to do and not willing to do and actually recently I went to there was a kind of uh, a big gathering and workshop at the United Nations in New York and it was all about emotional intelligence and Daniel Goleman was speaking and lots of other people were speaking as well but what they were actually saying was that emotional intelligence will be the thing that solves the sustainability crisis (laughs) which kind of blew my mind, but what they what they were talking about was the fact that as human beings to survive, we are going to have to learn to collaborate better. And we're also going to have to take care of ourselves individually so, th- so that we can then help each other. And it was yeah. so inspiring. And uh, yeah. That's great. That really is fantastic. I love that idea. Um, and, 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 yeah, sorry. I was say well, so it starts getting me curious about as you went through this journey and this idea of self care and setting your own boundaries. I guess what are some of those things, whether they're kind of mental tricks or daily practices, or maybe they're not even daily practices. I don't know. I'm making things up. But what <laughs> is it that you do to kind of keep that level of self awareness up and really take care of yourself so that you can best serve? Um, learning how to say the word no. <laughs> uh, I'm pointing at my nose. I'm, I'm good at, I need that one too. Uh, yeah. Um, and actually when, as part of 10 Women Strong, uh, 
Lisa gave every, everybody got a pack of uh, Lisa's most recent uh, cards that she has. They were kind of ref the reflection cards. And one of them mm -hmm. has a picture, which is a big neon sign that says, nope. <laughs> that has been on my desk ever since. Um, but the practice I've also been doing is just every morning, I just, and well, most mornings I can do it. Uh, I take just five minutes for myself and I either just sit quietly or maybe I'll do some stretching or something like that. But I just just take five minutes that is just mine and I just think about um, what I want to get out of that day. Um, and I've also really got into <laughs> bullet journaling. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, but it I'm just- I'm not, it really please share. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can't remember the, the man's name now, but uh, one man sort of came up with it and actually he was a UX designer and you'll find that it's actually quite, a lot of it is similar to, some of it's similar to Scrum, like he, he talks about having sprints and things like that, but it, it's a way of organizing your notebook in a way that makes it really easily accessible. You can very easily track where you are with your tasks um, and also set up like future plans and stuff like that. So especially uh, this last year when I've been getting really, really busy, I kept getting so nervous and overwhelmed that I was going to drop the ball. So having mm -hmm. a really clear sort of, and that's a practice every Sunday, I sit down and um, look at my journal for the week and plan out kind of my week. So those are the things that have been helping me have that sort of self-care and, and time for myself. That's great. So you, um, you've talked about pivotal moments, mm -hmm. right? Whether it be, um, right. Entering professional coach training, going through Tim and strong, those have had absolutely a very positive lens to them, right? Things that I've done, right. That there may have been hard and deep, meaningful work, right. Which comes with struggles, but they, they tended to right shape your, your journey in a meaningful way. But sometimes there's those yucky moments that really shape <laughs> who we become and, and our beliefs and feelings on things. So I think failure and challenge and difficulty are, are great ways to learn as well as inspire others and maybe normalize stuff. Like we all go through challenging, difficult situations. So what are some of those um, more interesting moments and memorable moments from your journey? Um, so I, I had a, the most challenging, and I have to say, you're right, like the times I have learned the most have been from the most challenging situations. So this next one, even though I was in the middle of it and it, I was feeling terrible, I kept thinking to myself, oh, just think about how much you're going to learn. Um, <laughs> but I had a really That's challenging- positivity bias. Yes. <laughs> That's it. There it is. Um, but yeah, so I was working with an extremely challenging leader. Um, they were very aggressive in- the way that they talked in their mannerisms, you know, slamming a desk, uh, swearing, that kind of stuff. I'm fine with swearing, but it, you know, it's just it, in a certain context, it was it was just a little bit too much. Um, and his communication style was so opposite to mine. And I feel like for a little while, I kind of lost myself in trying to bend and do what he still wanted. So I I, I did all the right things. I contracted with him first, which is a practice from professional coaching, which is just sort of intentionally designing our relationship and how we would give each other feedback and yeah, setting it up all right, designing the relationship. Um, and he took part in that, seemed really fine. Um, and then when it got into the nitty gritty, like that was just not, he refused to meet with me one-on-one. -on -one. He would only talk to me at his desk in a really public place. 
Um, and he was just like, just go, you know, effing tell people what to do. And I was like, oh no, it doesn't work like that. And, and just, it was a real battle. Like he was just so opposite to what I was trying to, trying to do. And um, I lost myself trying to still, because I also have a very high people pleasing driver. And so I was still mm -hmm. trying to do that, even though it was so contrary to my values and my beliefs. And so I was miserable, <laughs> oh. absolutely miserable. And, um, and it was, I, I, I have my own coach that I see periodically and she helped me work out what patterns were coming, why this person has such an effect on me, because I would, I'm a very confident person, like standing up and talking, doing training courses, giving, um, being speaking at um, conferences, like it's no problem to me, but I would shrink around this person and just lose myself. So this is when I started doing some work on boundaries as well. And I got very clear on what I was prepared to do and not prepared to do. And I kind of laid that, I, I had to bite the bullet and I kind of laid that down with him. And I, I couldn't coach him because I couldn't hold him in unconditional positive regard. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I came to it and I said, look, let's, let's go for, let's go for lunch and let's try and work it out. And he said he would, and then he broke it. And then he said, oh, but you can talk to me at my desk right now. And his desk is very, very public. And I said, no. I am not willing to do that. Um, I want to give this its proper attention and work out how we're going to move forward because this currently is not working for me. And um, he he was like, okay, I'll, I'll book. I, I will book something in, and I left it with him. And he actually didn't book anything in, but he started to treat me differently. Um, but he did not want to be coached, and that's something we have to learn. We need promote permission to coach. And actually, I ended mm -hmm. up mostly working with his direct reports after that. And we did some great things, but I was focused on trying to work with him and try and get him to see the things that I wanted him to see, but that just wasn't going to happen. And so my big learning from that was one, you can adapt your communication styles to suit someone else, but don't lose your core self. Don't act in a way that is contrary to, to your values, no matter what the stakes, no matter what the, the stress is. Um, and if you don't have permission to coach, go put your energy elsewhere, which is something Some that else, I, yeah. I, I know, but I was in the moment and, but oh, I, that was such an opportunity for personal growth. I have a lot of new coping mechanisms now. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I think one of the great things about this story is just leaning into the courage to tell him this isn't working for you. And I'm not sure if um, it's a, a thing about us as women that sometimes we just, especially right when we're working with male leaders, oh, that's just, you know, how they are and I have to conform and work with them. But I know I've had moments, moments where I'm like, there's somebody that I'm just not working well with, but I don't, for whatever reason, lean into the courage to have that conversation. Um, so I'm perpetuating a state of discomfort for me at work. Um, and we can all think through and identify, you know, somebody that's been like that for us. So I'd like to pull on that thread for, for just a moment. And that's right. What was it that was it something about the alliance you designed with him or, or something else that said, I'm going to lean into this and tell him that the way this is going just isn't working for me? Well, the, yes, the alliance was the start, but I think um, it was through my my coach, but also through 10 Women Strong where I was starting to work out where my boundaries were because I didn't have mm -hmm. them before. And I started to develop them and I was like, no, 
no, I'm just going to say no. Um, and it, I, I wasn't confident at the time. <laughs> it was very, very difficult, but I felt so much uh, better afterwards. And I find that actually he responded really well to that kind of direct uh, communication, which just boggled me, but he, he just worked uh, so different to me. But I, yeah, so I, I think that the, the secret to it is just knowing your own boundaries and knowing what you will and won't do. Because if you don't, if you don't have that, if you don't have that anchor of knowing where you are and you're and centering yourself, you're just going to flail and be able to be pushed around, which was what was going yeah. on for me. Yeah. I think the absence of those boundaries and sometimes even right absence of understanding what your own core values really are, you can end up living the life that others dream up for you and others put you into versus actually living the life you want to lead. Yep. That's exactly yeah. it. So, Philly, as we wrap up today, right, any final thoughts or wisdom that uh, you might want to share with our listeners? I think it, the, the main takeaway for me is that, that I would encourage you to work out where your boundaries are and how to center yourself and how to ensure that you are filled up so that you can be better for the people around you. And for women specifically, because I think being with 10 Women Strong, I woke up to a lot of things around being a woman in the workplace, especially in this industry. Just hold your ground and know your place and, and as, in, as in within you and speak up and be, you can be strong by being vulnerable as well. There is great strength and vulnerability and the true strengths of a leader is being unapologetically you rather than what someone's telling that. you to be. Excellent. Well, <laughs> Philly, I appreciate you being unapologetically you in today's conversation. <laughs> um, and I, I look forward to, to getting to have more conversations with you and really appreciate you making this time uh, to record one of our Women in Agile podcast episodes. Thank you for having me anytime. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find more inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.